Today on the Evangelist Podcast, Brexit and the Blame Game. The Evangelist's Podcast. Encouragement to speak life to a needy world. With Glenn Scrivener and Andy Brinkley. You're listening to The Evangelist Podcast. This is the show where we discuss all things regarding telling the good news of Jesus. I'm Andy Brinkley, and here is Glenn Scrivener. Here he is. Hello. Hey. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Yes, I've just been uh, to a lunchtime concert here in Eastbourne, and uh, my church, All Souls, we have these concerts through the summer, and somebody comes and sings some, you know, Gilbert and Sullivan and Light Operator and that sort of thing, and then I get given the God Slot, um, (laughs) which is not a great name, is it? God Slot. Let's... Let's fit the omnipotent gods into three minutes <laughs> yeah. in the interval. Um, but it's a little opportunity to have a, have a go. So Yes. Well, yeah. I suppose it, uh, it introduces people to, to other people in the church. And- yeah, and, and loads, of, loads of non-Christians come in. So uh, we reckon over the course of, of the summer about a 1,000 people come through the building. Wow. Um, and we have seen people come through to church and come through to faith, actually, through this over mm. the years. So, yeah, it's worth doing. Yeah. So what were you speaking on then? I was speaking about, uh, we might hear a little bit about it in a, in a, in a future episode, but I, I was speaking really about power. Okay. Um, there's lots in the news about power at the moment. Labour Party struggles for leadership, Tory Party uh, leadership contest. Um, also the Chilcot Inquiry coming mm. out and holding the powers that be to account. Mm. Um, so how do we feel about power and how do we feel about, uh, yeah, does absolute power corrupt absolutely? Mm. That was sort of the, the, the hook that brought them in. And if you want to know what I said, tune in to the next episode. Ah. <laughs> Good. So what are we going to talk about this time then? We're going to talk about Brexit, because everyone's talking about Brexit. And we're going, to, we're going to talk, I hope, about the blame games. You know, I, I think lots of lots of countries have had or are considering having referendums, mm. and it it uncovers polarities in cultures and societies that people didn't know were there before. Mm. But it also really uncovers that we're not very good at disagreeing. Mm. And I'd like to talk about why it is we're not very good at disagreeing, why it is we demonise the other side, um, and what it is we can do about it. Mm. Okay. Well. Hold that, and uh, okay. <laughs> we'll expand a little bit more in a moment. Um, I want to say thanks to uh, to my brother Matt. He's left a review hmm. on the uh, the podcast. Matt uh, actually does the introduction. To yes. the, the he loves the voiceover. <laughs> what an excellent <laughs> pitch! Voiceover. Perfect. He says, "How useful is this podcast?" I don't know. How useful is it, Matt? <laughs> it's a growing library ah. of practical resources for Christians, where the weekly subject choice always provides an up-to-date insights into effective sh- strategies for evangelism. Wow! He says, "It's one way it's helped me is by feeling empowered on one-to-one witness witnessing as I've talked with people from today's popular secular mindset or other world religions." Remembering a few tips, tricks and how-tos for the episodes in my conversations with people is really useful in applying cross-centred response and might give me confidence in where I try to guide those conversations. As a first student at Missions-Based Bible College for Mission, it's a good place to come and steal ideas. Hey, good. (laughs) Stealing? Well, well, I've stolen plenty, so... (laughs) big thank you to Andy and Glenn for empowering thousands of us by let, letting us freely tap into your successes as well as your mistakes. That's very professionally written. Is, is. is he like a yeah. journalist or something? Or no. Like, no? But he, he is into media. Yes. But Matt, Matt he, um, he's been producing these little cards 
that sort of say, have you got a question for God? Right, yes. And w- with a phone number on the back, and he's sort of got one of these disposable mobiles. Yeah. And uh, so he drops the card round in different coffee shops and whatever, and uh, he's had a few sort of anonymous conversations yeah. with people that just want to ask. Usually you know, text message or... Yeah, text message. Yeah, interesting. Ask God a question. Isn't that interesting? But, uh, has, yeah. has he heard of people doing that before, or is this his, his idea? I don't know. Has he stole? Who's he stolen it from? <laughs> Hasn't been from us. No, I think it's, it's his own idea. But, what an uh, interesting idea! And yeah. probably probably younger people doing the whole texting possibly, thing. Possibly, yeah, possibly. I guess you don't know. You don't know, really. Wow! But, uh, what a good idea. It's good. Yeah. And we also have another uh, review from someone called Patrick BC. That might be from British Columbia. I don't know, Patrick from. BC. BC. He, he's right, um, writing from before Christ. Uh, maybe, yes. <laughs> 2,000 years old. He says, I, excellent podcast. I listen to the podcast every week and I always have fresh insights into how we can do evangelism from listening. Glenn has a way of speaking the gospel with great love and care for his audience, yet without compromising, which I feel, which I find a great example. Keep it up. Oh, so well, thank, thank you. Patrick. Thank you, Patrick. Yeah, if you would like to leave us uh, a rating and review, we'd be very grateful if you do that for us um there's a small gift for you if you go to speaklife.org.uk slash i love tep uh-huh. uh, if you go to that there'll be a little present from us <laughs> a little present that sounds <laughs> for, ominous <laughs> for leaving us a rating and review it's a good present right yeah it's, it's, yeah. it's a good present. it's all right yeah okay <laughs> good. do it do it good okay well brexit then what what on earth's going on what then? what's going on <laughs> Um, the other day I uploaded a little video of myself. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Which um, I won't be doing again. Um, not in that <laughs> same format. My mother instantly texts me in, cap- in caps locks, just like with about 50 exclamation marks saying, keep your hands on the wheel. Keep your <laughs> yeah. hands on the wheel. Because this is you. you. You mounted it, didn't you, in, in the sat-nav yeah. folder. And, yeah. Uh, it was just filming you, so you set it going. Yeah. And, and I, then set off driving. Yeah, yeah. So I wasn't monkeying with the screen or anything. No, but. But. <laughs> you did one or two times. Yeah, more Take than, both hands off the wheel. Yeah. I, I sort of was channeling this sort of Italian spirit of, hey, and, and lots of gesticulation, which um, if I ever do something like that again, I must rein in. Um, but if I, yeah, if I do something like that again, I think I'll park yes. and be stationary. Um Nevertheless, I mean, it's it's interesting. It's it's been viewed a thousand times since I really? uploaded it the other day, and it struck a nerve, I guess, because what I've wanted to talk about is it goes deeper than the presenting issue. The presenting issue is Brexit gives cover for racists to be racist, <laughs> and therefore the accusation is anyone who's voted Leave is culpable mm. for these acts of far-right extremism that, that, that flare up. Mm. Now, it's interesting. It's always the far-right extremism that people point to. It's the, it's the, it is the poor, drunk racist on the bus we point to, rather than Jeremy Corbyn, who you know, associates you know, the nation-state of Israel with ISIS. You know, that's, that's kind of white-collar um, racism. You know, we, yeah. we wish he didn't say it, but that's, that's different from the drunk on the bus, yeah. who we're really worried about, which is interesting. But so that's the flashpoint. That's what people have been talking about. And I've been I've been on Twitter and Facebook in which the other day there was a video that came out of a drunk on a bus in Manchester telling a foreigner to go home. And the first time I saw it on my feed, 
uh, it was just an example of racism and and mm. I saw it and thought isn't that ugly that's horrible it's disgusting but then the next time it came in my feed it was somebody who had voted remain who says anyone who's voted for leave this blood is on your hands this yeah. is your fault you've got to own this and then the next time in my feed it's like well that's typical remainers blaming the leavers um, they're so sanctimonious etc <laughs> <laughs> and so it just really occurred to me that what, what you know in the space of a few minutes on social media there were leavers complaining about remainers who are complaining about leavers for the racists who are complaining about the immigrants yeah <laughs> and you've got this triple demonization mm. going on remain hates leave leave hates remain racists hate foreigners yeah and i just wanted to really kind of wrestle with what's going on yeah i mean it's it's been sort of a for the nation it's been a surprise yeah. <laughs> whichever way you look at it you know yeah um it's it's been a shock and it's it's cut right across um you know i know several people who you know husband and wife voted differently and yeah you know yeah me and emma we voted differently <laughs> yeah and uh you know it's separated us in all sorts of different ways we didn't expect no exactly and certainly I mean, certainly David Cameron was banking on somehow there being enough of a unity in the Tory party around Remain that he could keep his job. <laughs> that was wrong. Labour Party was hoping that its, you know, its supporters would come out for Remain the way that it did. Mm. 40% of Labour voters voted leave, and so now they're in turmoil. Um, you know... <laughs> Nigel Farage has finally got what he's always wanted and now he's <laughs> you know um left as leader of UKIP anyway. Um all yeah, I mean all the markets all everyone was predicting up until about two AM on June the twenty fourth, people were still saying, Well it's I mean, even even on the night of June twenty third, Nigel Farage was basically conceding defeat to mm. remain and yeah. then wrong. Um everybody tears up the script. Yeah. Which has been happening a lot recently. You know, the election last year, like tore up the script and again it's happened. So people people just don't understand the electorate anymore. Mm. And politicians in particular seem to be out of touch with the electorate. And now they've got to wrestle with that and it's mm. gonna to lead to all sorts of upheaval. Yeah. Where do you think sort of this innate desire to blame the other side comes from <laughs> i blame adam <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> um which is interesting i use the language i blame um, <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah um you know what happens in the garden of eden instantly the lord shows up and adam blames eve and eve, eve blames the yeah. snake and the snake doesn't have a leg to stand on you know <laughs> boom boom <laughs> I always tell that joke, but but I I, I think people laugh at it because we recognise that's that's what we're all like. Mm. That's totally what we're all like. Um, yeah, it's interesting talking about my driving. Um, uh, this week in um, in the Bible reading plan that I use, I use the Bible in one year thing, which mm. HTB have come out with, and just it just so happened that this year uh, that, that this week, um, two Kings nine verse twenty was there, which is Jehu driving his chariot <laughs> furiously yeah. furiously yeah in the king james it's furiously in the niv i noticed this week it's like a maniac <laughs> jew is driving like a maniac um so that reminded me of my mother saying keep your hands on your wheel but it also reminded me of, of like when you're in the car isn't this the most obvious example of self-justification and blame game like when you're in when you're on the motorway and someone like overtakes you at 90 you're like what a maniac <laughs> but then if anyone drives slower than you they're an idiot right <laughs> yeah. like that guy's an idiot that guy's a maniac i'm just right <laughs> goldilocks yeah, yeah I'm, I'm in the golden mean and uh 
And this is our problem. Our problem is always, and this is what I said in the in the video. Our, our problem is not so much that there are people out there who are wrong. Mm. The problem is that I'm right, you know, and we have to be right, and we mm. always, and therefore, what the Bible means by the flesh. Like, really, when you get down to it, the Bible's not talking about the skin that's wrapped around your bones. When it talks about the flesh, it's talking about what is natural, what is innate in you, um, that you're always pointing to as justification yeah. for who you are. I can justify my existence. I'm okay. I'm all right. You know why? Because, I don't know, I voted leave, or because I voted remain, yeah. because I'm left-wing, because I'm right-wing, because I'm white, because I'm black, because I'm this, because I'm that. We're always pointing to something. Because I'm a social justice warrior, because I believe in liberal values, because I believe in conservative values, because I'm an upstanding, honorable, you know, respectable type. We're always looking at ourselves, our flesh, to give ourselves a sense of self-justification, self-righteousness. And if that is the basis on which I say I'm okay, then I just must hate, despise, demonize and sideline you if you don't live up to my standards. Mm. And I, I, I think that's what's going on. I think that's, that is why the drunk on the bus in Manchester was threatened by the foreigner and said, I'm right because I'm white and I've always lived here and you're wrong because you're a foreigner and mm. out you go. Mm. But it's also what the Remain voter was thinking when he looked around at all those nasty Leave voters and that's what's wrong with this country, all mm. those Leave voters. And that's what's going on in the Leave voter who looks at the Remainer and said, yeah, this sanctimonious, self-righteous, project fear, that's what's wrong with this country. Mm. We're all doing it all the time and that's what's tearing us apart. Yeah, the, uh, there was the two senior politicians that were caught on Sky TV recorded after the, the the moment yes um ripping apart sort of the other front yeah. runners on the one hand i was thinking oh it's just like the old yes prime minister tv program mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah with all the politics that go on behind yeah. but also i thought well, they're only recording what all of us do all of us do behind all, our tv sets you all know the time d- day to day we're exactly the same we're so all exactly the same we and, but we find that gossip delicious don't we like yeah. i was reading through proverbs the other day and i was like you know Gossip is like a delicious morsel. We can't get enough of that yeah. because we love to point the finger at other people. I was I was um, um, talking to a friend of mine who's a nurse and um, she was just saying she's got a lodger in her house and just constantly this lodger is just mm. doing down everyone else who's in the office because they, they're in the, in the hospital. They're both in the same ward mm. and this lodger is just constantly doing down other people. I said, why do you think she does it? <laughs> and my friend said, um, because she's actually very lazy and she wants to deflect <laughs> attention. So she's always moaning about everyone else doesn't do their job, everyone else doesn't do their job, everyone else doesn't do their job to get a sense of I'm okay. Yeah. Whereas really she's not doing her job. And it's the whole thing. You know, you point the finger at someone else, three fingers are pointing back at you. Mm. And we kind of think that if we point loud enough and hard enough and emphatically enough mm. that people will forget that there are three, <laughs> three fingers pointing back at ourselves. Self-justification. It's tearing us apart. Yeah. So what's the answer then, Glenn? I think the answer is something to do with scapegoating. Um, You know, scapegoating is a phrase that comes from the Bible, but we use it today to describe what happens when you say, you know what's wrong with this country? All the immigrants. You know what this country, what's wrong with the country is leave. What's wrong with the country is remain. We basically take a a small section of the the culture, Mm. usually the smaller the better and the weaker the better. And we we identify all that's wrong with that weak section. 
and we despise them, hate them, cast them away, and then we can breathe a sigh of relief. We've gotten rid of the bad guys. We've scapegoated them, and away they go. And really, in that negative sense, that's what's going on in all these blame games. We're scapegoating people. But interestingly, in the Bible, the phrase scapegoat comes up in a very different context. In Leviticus 16, mm. the high priest gets up and uh, Day of Atonement makes a whole bunch of sacrifices. And then what he does is lay his hands on the head of the scapegoat and confesses all the sins of the community onto the scapegoat. And then on the basis of the sacrifice, they sort of send the scapegoat away. And it's this idea that the scapegoat has taken the sins of the people as far as the east is from the west. Now, you could listen to that and you could think, ah, see, the Bible is part of the same problem. The Bible is modeling for us that you take some weak member of society and you identify all, all our problems with that member and then you send them away. Mm. Actually, the Bible is completely subverting that and doing the very opposite. Because within Leviticus 16, that scapegoat is meant to be playing the part of the Lord. Mm. Like, this is, this is God the scapegoat. Yeah. Which is a stunning thought. Back in Leviticus 16, they cast lots for, the, for these two goats. And one of them was called the Lord and one, one of them was called the scapegoat. And throughout Leviticus, what you get is, um, like if, if you're a leper and you want to go free, you have two birds and you cast lots for them. And, and, and if the lot falls for, for one of the birds, then that bird is killed. And then the blood of that bird is sprinkled on the other bird and that bird is, is let go. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like through the death of the one, the other it goes, goes free. The other goes free. Yeah. And that's similar to the scapegoat. You've got one's called the Lord and it's killed, which is wow. Here's a, here's a scapegoat called the Lord. What do, you, what do you do with it? You take a knife to its throat and you slit, slit the throat and the blood pours out. Whoa. Imagine being Aaron, like slitting the throat of the Lord. Like, and on the basis of that, the scapegoat carries the sins away. So really, it's this unified movement of God is going to come and be a sacrifice, and in that sacrifice is going to bear the sins of the people mm. and carry them as far as the east is from the west, which is stunning because the scapegoat, therefore, is not a weak member of society who's getting blamed. It is the strong. It is the mm. Lord himself who volunteers to take the suffering and the sin onto himself and therefore volunteers to be the object of all our blame. And so you come forward into the New Testament and you see Jesus and, and he spends his whole life being blamed by everybody. You know, he's, he's got the wrong parentage. Everyone's making fun of him for the wrong parentage. He's got the wrong nationality. He's, he's part of the, the, you know, the Jewish nation that's under the thumb of Rome. He's, part of the, he's the wrong part of, of Israel. He's up from the north and everyone's making fun of his northern accent. And, and you know, he's not part of any of the strong parties. He's not, he's not a Pharisee. He's not a Sadducee. He's not an Essene. He's not got political power. He hasn't got economic power he hasn't got he hasn't got anything and he's he's just this upstart as far as everyone else is concerned and as he comes everyone just you know blames him he you know he raises lazarus from the dead and everyone's like right well how do we kill him <laughs> yeah well he wanted to kill him as well even though which is just bizarre sh it, and and why because john 11 tells us because they were, they wanted to cling on to power mm. and they you know they said if the if this uprising continues then the jews will take away our land and our place and and they wanted to cling on 
And so they have to hate Jesus, and they do hate Jesus. And then Jesus gets arrested, and he's done absolutely nothing wrong. And all these trials that we read about in the Gospels are just Jesus the scapegoat on trial, Mm. and everyone is pointing the finger. They are hurling accusations at him. None of them stick, but he doesn't stick up for himself. Mm. He wants to be blamed. He takes the blame. He becomes the place where blame goes to die. He becomes the place where all that shaming ends. And on that cross, you know, with with all the mob and all the moralists pointing at him saying, crucify him, crucify him, rid the earth of him. He is absorbing all the shame, all the blame of, of a world's guilt and sin. And he puts it to death. And he rises up and he says, look, I've taken away your guilt. I've taken away your shame as far as the east is from the west. Mm. You don't need to earn your righteousness. You don't need to earn a sense of being okay. I've, I've spread my arms to you to welcome you. It's cost me my own blood. Of course you're welcome. You don't need to look to yourself to get that sense of being okay. Look to me. And as we look to Christ, hopefully, we can see where the blame game leads to. You, know, you look at the cross and you just think, oh, what am I doing? Why am I hurling accusations? Why, why am I saying to the leave guys, crucify them, crucify them? Why am I saying to the remainers, crucify them, crucify them? Jesus was crucified. The scapegoat has died. Let the blaming end. And now, now because I've received mercy, let's, let's pass on mercy to one another. And suddenly you've got a very different kingdom. A kingdom based on people realizing not that they are right, but that they are wrong. But you're welcome anyway. And so, actually, actually, the answer is Jesus. Actually, the, the gospel actually makes sense. Mm. And, and it doesn't just make sense of a bunch of religious intuitions from 2,000 years ago. It makes sense of British politics in 2016. It's what everyone's talking about. It's what everyone needs. And the answer is found in Jesus. Mm. And that is the rant. Yeah. And the reason why I, I made the video, the reason why I'm doing this now is, mm. is just... Like Matt was saying, when you're in personal conversations with other people, like I honestly don't think it's a massive change of gear mm. to go from talking about the newspaper headlines to talking about Jesus the scapegoat. Like I, I honestly think the Bible is not this weird thing that you need to have a massive crunch of gears to get into. The Bible is what makes sense of everything that's going on. And if you, maybe in personal conversations, have these categories in mind of the flesh, you wouldn't call it the flesh, you just call it self-righteousness. Everyone knows about self-righteousness. And you have this category of blaming and the blame game. You have this category of scapegoating. People understand what scapegoating is. And you can then say, do you know where scapegoating comes from? And away you go. So if someone sort of says uh you know i'll get fed up with hearing about the referendum now yeah um, yeah you can just sort of say well um we're all trying to blame each other now yeah. where do you think that comes from <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and and turn it into questions exactly like like yeah where do you think this blame culture comes from yeah. <laughs> i blame the immigrants <laughs> like, like, and then suddenly yeah you're into a spicy conversation but um yeah, asking, turning it around, asking questions, asking, you know, do you know about scapegoating? And, uh, and, and maybe even painting a picture, like, wouldn't it be amazing if we were so secure that we didn't have to blame other people, mm. that we didn't have to feel that we were right all the time, that we could actually have a grown-up conversation 
mm. about left wing, right wing, immigration, race, politics, sovereignty, democracy. Wouldn't that be amazing if we could actually have a grown up conversation? What it would take would be <clears throat> us saying, oh, I might be wrong. Mm. I might be wrong. Seems to me like this, but I might be wrong. And I really want to hear the other side. I really, you know, man, the, I mean, politics is crying out for that. But I honestly think that it's an issue that goes far beneath the headlines. It goes to our hearts. And Jesus really uh, speaks to these issues on a profound level. Mm. And, you know, regardless, whatever the, the outcome, you mm. know, Christianity works yeah. in, in any political yeah. Situation. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. have to have a political structure or yeah. of one kind or another. You know, Jesus said, you know, to to be in it and to live for him within it rather than try and force a political uh, system upon anybody. Well, exactly. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Give to God what is God's. Like we can. And I and I think, therefore, and we'll we'll think about this in the next episode. Therefore, Christians can be people who have confidence in the midst of a lot of uncertainty. Mm. Because everyone else is worried, you know, how on earth is the Labour Party going to survive all of this? How, how, what's the shape of the Conservative Party going to be now that UKIP, you know, has no reason to exist, so to speak? And, you know, what's the shape of the political landscape going to be? And is, is Scotland going to try and join or Northern Ireland going to try and join the EU? What's the shape of the political landscape? Everything is uncertain. Everything's not uncertain. Um, We know who is on the throne. Um, a friend of mine, on the morning of the referendum results, um, he just tweeted out, Newsflash, Jesus is still king. Yeah. <laughs> and that, at the end of the day, that's the kind of confidence that Christians have. And, and I, think, I think it can be attractive. Mm. Um, so in the next episode, we'll think about where true confidence comes from, not from political leaders, but we'll think about how we think about politics, how we think about power, and how we think about where we should place our confidence. Okay. Well, that's something to look forward to. So if uh, folks want to see your video, where mm-hmm. do they go? Uh, on the show notes, you can have a look at it. Um, where would you go? I mean, my blog's probably the easiest place to find it because it's the latest post. So ChristTheTruth.net. Okay. And uh, to see uh, the podcast webpage, go to speaklife.org.uk slash TEP. And if you want that special gift I told you about, oh. go to speaklife.org.uk slash I love TEP that's it for this week wait with expectation for next episode (laughs) with a worm on your tongue baited breath do you get it a worm on your tongue baited breath yeah yeah it kind of works doesn't it yeah that'll do see ya see ya